0: How are we doing, Connexion Point Church? Good. All right. It's rainy and it's cold, and you guys have a little energy. That's what I like. That's very, very good. My name is Joel Halpin. I am pastor of Connexion Point Church. I want to welcome you here if it's your first time or if you come here all the time. I have a confession that uh, many of you will amen. Freebird changed my life. Oh, maybe some of you. Okay. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I, I, I started uh, this year with a goal. And my goal was to exercise more often, as many of us, ha- many of us have that goal. But in the, in the past, I haven't been able to exercise uh, very often. I just lose habit, especially when it comes to just like lifting weights and stuff like that and just being healthier. But I wanted to be healthier, so I wanted to start this habit. And so I, I identified that there are days that I just don't want to get up and exercise. Anyone? Okay, there's like... Ten of us that'll admit to that. That's good. There are days you just don't want to do it, especially if it's cold and rainy, especially. And so what I figured out for me is that if I will just get up and usually I have to take my kids to school or to the bus stop and all that. And when I get home and I have this little break that I know this is when I need to exercise, I've figured out that if I will just put my earphones in and play Freebird. Now, if you don't know, Freebird is an eight-minute song at least, with about a a four-and-a-half-minute solo at least, and I figured out that if I'll just turn this song on and go for a jog during this song and tell myself, hey, I'm just going to run during Freebird. When Freebird's over, I can stop, okay? And I figured out that I can actually run around my block in the same amount, in one free bird, I can run around my, my block. And so it takes about eight minutes, I guess, to run around my block. It's about three quarters of a mile. I don't claim an eight-minute mile, but I can, run, uh, I can run a mile in free bird is all I know, okay? Now, or I can run three quarters of a mile in free bird is all I know, let me be honest. But I've, I've, what I've figured out is if I'll just play free bird and I'll say I'm going to run for this and I'll run during that time, then I'll, as soon as I'm done and I'm kind of sweaty, I'll actually go into my garage and I'll I'll exercise and I've got some equipment in there and so I'll work out there. In fact, when I'm done exercising for about 30 minutes, I will actually go inside and I will journal out my food for the day and I'll say this is what I'm going to do and I'll just it sets just by playing freebird, it sets in motion my running which sets in motion my exercise which sets in motion my entire mindset for the day that I'm going to be healthy today. In fact, I've recognized that just that one habit has been a chain reaction of habits, and that's what I want to talk about today. There was a book by a man named Charles Duhigg, and he wrote this book called The Power of Habit, and in that, he talks about this idea of a keystone habit, and he says that a keystone habit is a habit that causes a chain reaction of results. A keystone habit is a habit that causes a chain reaction of results, and he identified that there are these these chain reaction type habits, and and we had some in the bumper. For example, if you want to be a a parent that has kids that are less likely to be in prison, more likely to to get a job and be successful, and more likely to have joy in life, if you have dinner uh, as a family together, you're more likely to raise those children. It's a habit that turns out to be a keystone habit. Uh, There are other ones, and you see these all over. In fact, if you look at your habits, the things you actually do well or some of the things that you do not so well, you'll usually identify there's one or two habits that feeds the rest of them. And so when it comes to our faith, when it comes to following Jesus, one of the things I want us to look at is how do we identify some keystone habits in our faith? Because we want to be successful in our faith. We want to be successful following Christ, but we don't want to just be successful for our own sake. We want to glorify Christ. We want to live lives that glorify God. And in fact, as Christ followers, I don't know if you're aware of this, there's more to the call that we have to follow Christ than just believing. More to it than just saying, hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. There's more to it. When we look at the followers of Jesus, there's more to it. They have these things that are, that, are, that are promises and calls in their life, like you're going to go into all the world and make disciples. You're going to teach them to obey. There are, there are things that we do that are, are more than just believing. Uh, a few Months ago, I was having a discussion with a guy at, at the gym and he was telling me, I, I was telling him, you know, I'm having trouble uh, being consistent because I actually, my knuckles were swelling up and I was getting to a place where, man, it just kind of hurt and I wasn't as motivated. And he, and he started talking to me about supplements. He goes, well, what are you supplementing your diet with? And I was like, "Oh, I thought he was going to give me, you know, some, some steroids or something that was going to really help me out, but he didn't offer any of that." And so instead, what he he, he offered me some like natural uh, uh, things like turmeric, 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 turmeric. He offered me these the suggestions of, "Hey, if you'll do this, it'll it'll reduce swelling and all these and all of these supplements." And so I started to take them, and it was amazing. These supplements. Do you know when it comes to your faith? That if you want to be a person of impact, you want to be someone who's actually living a life that impacts other people the way that we are called as the church to be, you have to have some supplements. We're going to be in today in 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, uh, 2 Peter is is a letter written by a man named Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' best friends. And it's interesting that he starts off this letter, we're going to pick it up pretty early, we're going to pick it up in verse 5. And he's made the case that as Christ's followers, we've been given this divine call and we have a divine power in us. And, and by divine power, we have the Holy Spirit, which means I'm not divine, but, but God has put in me his spirit so that when I am weak, he can be strong in me. When I want to, to uh, be holy, or when I want to follow Jesus, it's not me, but God has his spirit in me and, and he can free me from all these things that bind me or that hold me back, these sins and all of these things. And so Paul sa- or Peter says, you know, we've been freed from these by the spirit of God in us, but then look what he says. And we were freed, by the way, simply on our faith. If you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. Okay, so we're freed by our faith, but look what Peter says. Verse five, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith. I think that's an interesting thing, to supplement your faith. It's not enough, if you want to be an actual person of impact, it's not enough just to have faith. It's not enough to just believe, and we always say, hey, I love being a Christian, all I got to do is believe. Listen, if you want to be a Christ follower of impact, if you want to be someone who, when you look at certain people in your life and you say, I want to be like them because they're making a difference in this world, there's a purpose, there's a meaning to them. If you want to be that type of Christ follower, the only type, by the way, we're called to be a person of impact, then you've got to understand, you've got to supplement your faith. This is what Peter says, supplement your faith with virtue, that's goodness, Virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self control, self control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he says, that there are a lot of us, in fact, some of you would say, you know what, I know a lot of people who say they're Christians, they say they're Christ followers, but they're unfruitful and they're uneffective. In fact, I don't see them impacting anyone's lives except maybe their own. In fact, there, there's a reason that the church is losing its brightness, that the church is losing its effectiveness, and a lot of it comes back to people who claim to be Christ followers, but find ourselves ineffective and unfruitful. And so Peter says, if you want to be effective, if you want to be fruitful, you need to have these qualities and they need to be increasing. And so, my question is, how do you increase a quality in your life? Well, I wanted to increase my health. That's a quality. Health is a quality. So, what did I do? I played Freebird, right? So, I decided to exercise. By exercising these habits, increasing these habits increased the qualities. And so what Peter is saying is, if you really want to have an effective faith, if you really want to impact this world, you have got to have habits that you are increasing these qualities with. How do you increase your goodness? Well, there's probably a lot of qualities, a lot of habits that you could do that would make your your quality of goodness, of virtue, increase. Maybe a gratitude journal, writing every day. You could probably think of several habits that would increase that. He says, increase your knowledge. How do you increase your knowledge? It could be that you uh, read the God's word. It could be that you begin to listen to other people more, listen to sermons, maybe podcasts. But you, you say, I've got to increase my knowledge. Now, there's a lot of different ways we can increase these virtues, but I want to think about effectiveness. What are the one or two habits we can have? that will affect all of the other habits. So my question to you for this series is simple. Are your qualities of godliness increasing or decreasing? Are you increasing since yesterday, your faith through these qualities? Is your your goodness increasing? Is your self-discipline increasing? Or is it decreasing? And and if it's not increasing, then you're probably gonna say, you know what? My fruitfulness is not increasing. My effectiveness is not increasing for Christ. Do you have a plan in the next month, two months, three months to increase your qualities? Do you have a plan to increase your knowledge of God in the next few months? Do you have a plan to become a more effective Christ follower in the next few months? Are you just hoping? Because Peter says that you need to have these increasing so that we can be effective for Christ. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on some of the keystone habits. How can we develop some habits over the next few months that are going to make an impact, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of the people around us, in the community, and even in the world, in our hope. is that when people begin to think of the church, maybe they think of Connection Point Church, but I hope they think of you, and they're able to see that the members of the people that I know that go to a church, man, those are people of impact. Those are people who have these habits in their lives that set them apart. You know, there's a period of Jesus' life that we don't know a lot about. You see, we've got the birth stories, the Christmas story, and then it kind of quickly goes into his ministry when he's 30-something years old. And so we don't know much about that time, but one of the verses that gives us a clue is Luke two fifty two. It says this, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's kind of the bridge between the Christmas story of Jesus as a baby and Jesus as an adult, as a full-grown uh, Savior of the world with ministering. How did, he, how did he grow from this child, this eight-pound newborn baby Jesus, to this Messiah that, that is able to, to speak to Satan and have Satan leave his presence? How did this happen? Well, he obviously was increasing some qualities of his life, his wisdom, his stature, his favor, not just with God. It wasn't just about him and God. It was him and man as well. In fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, you can read the Gospels. You can read the accounts we have, and you can identify the habits that Jesus did consistently. In fact, in the book of Luke or the letter that Luke wrote, it says at least four times that Jesus went out to a desolate place or to a mountain and prayed, as was his habit, or as was, his, as, as was uh, common to him. It was something he did over and over again. And it's not just that he prayed consistently. He actually would go and get in solitude consistently. We see other things that Jesus did. He would read Scripture consistently. Jesus would, would memorize scripture consistently. All of these things were habits that, in fact, that, that infected everything else he did. These, these keystone habits, his prayer life, affected his ministry. His ability to go and get alone and just think about the things of God. Do you think that all of these great stories and sermons that Jesus preached, whether it's the the Sermon on the Mount or it's a story that he thought up like the the Good Samaritan, do you think they just happened while he was, you know, busy doing other things, multitasking? or, Or was it in solitude? Most likely, he would go up and he would read and he would get alone with God and he would think, how do I live this out? How do I grow? How do I teach this? In fact, I'm fairly confident to say Jesus was a man of habits, of godly habits. And in fact, when we follow Christ, what we're actually doing is following his habits. Do you understand that? In fact, one of the things that plagued me for a long time is I always had this burden of, hey, I know what we're supposed to do. We have a mission statement in this church to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. We say that a lot, to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. But how are we doing that? You ever think about that? How are we doing that? Now, if you're a member of this church, you've at least hopefully heard this concept. But what we believe is that following Christ isn't a set of of classes you take. It's not a, a program, hey, if you go through this, you'll be a certified disciple of Jesus. Instead, what we've done in this church is we've said there are, there are four keystone habits, there are four habits that we see in the life of Christ that we believe if you do these four habits, you're putting yourself in a great position to grow in favor with God and man, to grow in the qualities of God. In fact, we call these four habits the four connection points. You like that? Because it's branded, four connection points, or the four C's sometimes, and by the way, if you're in this church for a long time, the number of C's has grown and shrunk and it's moved all over. And we've kind of established these are the four C's. These are, there are four of them. There was, sometimes there were a three in the past and it grew to five and then we shrunk it back down to three and now it's four. It's been four for a little while now. But these are habits that I've, I've, I've looked at and I've really said these are the things that if we can put these habits into every church member... I can't promise you that your life will be better, all this, but I can promise you you're putting yourself in a context in which the people and the places you go and the patterns of your life will be influenced. So I want to go through these four habits of our church members. I want to connect them to the habits of Christ and show you this is how we build disciples, and it's a habit. It's not something you do. It's not just a, if I check this off the list, I'm a disciple. But it's a habit that we ingrain. And it's not a habit because it makes God like us more. It's a habit because it puts us in a context. It puts us in a place where we can be effective, where we can be influenced, where we can have some, someone and the, whole, and the Spirit of God speaking into us. The first thing we do, the first C, so to speak, is we celebrate. We celebrate weekly. Now, we celebrate right now. If you're here, you're celebrating. You're here to worship. We come together and celebrate weekly. Now, there's a lot of us that come out of mindsets uh, where church is just something you check off the box. If you do it, God likes you a little more than he likes people that don't do it consistently. There are some of us that grew up, and maybe you went to church once or twice a year, Christmas and Easter most likely, just so you could check it off. Maybe it was Mother's Day because that's what mama wanted, right? But for us... This is a habit we want to instill. It's not a box we want to check. Now, when a few uh, weeks ago I was in Israel, I learned something that was very interesting to me. And it came from this uh, verse, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says this. It says, And he came to Nazareth, that's Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, it was a habit He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So Jesus had this habit of going to the synagogue. And what was interesting is the the guy that was leading this tour and was leading our uh, trip. He's a, a Jewish man. He was a Messianic Jew, which means he was a Christ follower who believed that. But he was also fully Jewish and he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And he said, do you know what the synagogue is? And Like many of you probably, a couple of people raised their hands and said, a synagogue is where Jews worship. And he looked and he said, well, why did you say Jews? Well, the guy said, because I know a lot of Jews and they seem to go to synagogue a lot. That's a good, pretty good answer. And he said, you know, the word synagogue in Hebrew means gathering. That's what it means. It's a place where people gathered to worship. You know what the word church in Greek means? Ekklesia means gathering. In fact, it's just a, a Hebrew way of saying church, synagogue and church. In fact, the early Jews, I mean, the early, early Christians, all the disciples, they went to the synagogue. That was their church. They went to the synagogue. The synagogue is simply another way to say church. I want to show you a picture um, on the screen. And this is a picture of uh, a synagogue that I got to visit when I was in Israel. And what's interesting about this, this is in a place called Zapori. And Zipporah is on the next hill over from Nazareth. But what's interesting is, is that Jesus' aunt and uncle were the leaders of this synagogue. Now think about that. You have Jesus who is in his city of Nazareth was not well-received. If you know anything about the life of Jesus, most people considered him a bastard growing up because his father, Joseph, wasn't his father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But most people have a hard time gathering that. And so in his hometown, it says he was not considered a prophet. And so it's very likely that this synagogue, the hill over, where his family was in charge, in fact, there's another picture and another picture is right outside the synagogue. You see in the distance, you see that, little, that mountain in the distance, that's Nazareth. This is right next to Nazareth. It's very likely that this synagogue is the same synagogue that Jesus went to every single week when he was growing up. And all these times where we don't know what Jesus was doing, it's very likely he was in the synagogue listening, learning, and teaching, even as a boy. What's fascinating to me is that I run across so many people. Who say, you know what, I don't need to go to church to follow Christ, but it is my belief that just as Jesus valued going to church every single week and modeled it, it is a keystone habit for us. Did you know that, that there's a lot of misinformation about churches? Have you ever heard the stat that uh, 50% of people who claim to, to go to church, or that claim to be Christians, uh, marriages end in divorce? Have you ever heard that stat? In fact, statistically, it's actually closer to 60%, and 60% of people uh, of divorces, actually it's, it's actually lowering, which is good, I don't want to get into the details, but it's, it's around 50-60% of, of marriages end in divorce. What's interesting is that people that claim to be Christ followers, their statistics don't change at all from those that claim not to be Christ followers. Divorce is about the same in both groups, but... If you look at people, if you ask that same group of people, and instead you ask, do you attend worship services regularly, weekly? If you answer yes to that, you're 35% less likely to have been divorced. So in other words, it's not calling yourself a Christian, But it's the habit of celebrating and going to church and worshiping God that makes a difference in your marriages. And some of you would testify this that have been divorced. You would say, you know what, when I got divorced, a lot of people who have been divorced did not have the habit of church. But now you might be in a marriage that's getting stronger and you're getting stronger. And one of the influences you might not have realized, you put in a keystone habit of attending worship services. Do you realize if you go to church every single week and you apply one thing you hear, even if it's not something I say, just something that that the Holy Spirit gave to you, you've taken 52 steps that year closer to God. 52 times you've taken a step closer to becoming like Christ than than the old person you used to be. Following Christ, celebrating weekly, is a keystone habit. I cannot tell you how important we think this is at this church. And that's why we ask every single member, hey, develop the habit of coming to church. So good job. You've already done that one today. I want to say, hey, pat yourself on the back. Maybe reach over, get the person next to you. The next thing we do, we connect. We connect in this church with other believers, In fact, we call them connect groups. We want every single person in a connect group. Now, this is a habit that influences every other thing we do in this church. And it comes from a model that we believe Jesus gave us. In Luke chapter 6, verse 13, it says this And when he came down, he came down from a mountain. What do you think he was doing up on that mountain? He was praying. Read uh, in verse 12. He came down from the mountain, he called his disciples, and he chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Now this is interesting because Jesus had a whole bunch of disciples. He had hundreds of people that almost everywhere he went, uh, hundreds of people would want to listen to him and follow him. But he takes from all of those hundreds, he chooses 12. And he says, I can't pastor hundreds I'm going to pastor, I'm going to shepherd, I'm going to disciple 12 of them. Isn't that interesting that Jesus himself did not decide to pastor a group of hundreds or a church of hundreds. Instead, Jesus said, I will pastor 12 guys. I will invest in 12 guys. And what's interesting is those 12 guys changed the world. Technically, 11 of them changed the world. One of them tried to sabotage it. But hey, you can't hit 12 to 12 all the time. Even Jesus messed up with one of them, right? So in our groups, one of the things that we we say, the reason you need to be in a group is because it's not just that, hey, we go and have Bible study. In fact, we don't call it a Bible study. We call it a connect group. And and we hope that you study the Bible, but understand what happens in a connect group is you're around people who are sharpening you and are are challenging you. And in fact, when we look at the the disciples, we see they got in arguments. They asked theological questions. They went with each other and helped each other out. They were serving each other and they were serving with each other. When Jesus feeds 5,000 people and he needs some waiters, who helps him out? The twelve. They're the people, they're together, and they're just kind of doing life together. And they're not even Jesus' best friends. A few of them are. But Jesus' best friends were other people like Lazarus and and Mary and Martha. There were some people that were part of his, his group that he wouldn't even have considered his greatest friends, his best friends. But he knew, these are the people that I'm going to invest in on a consistent basis. And almost everywhere he went, he was taking, he was teaching And even when he left, they changed the world because they kept meeting together. This is such a keystone habit in your life. If you are not with a group of people that you know, this is who I'm discipling. This is who's discipling me. And in fact, really in this church, I'm only discipling a few people. And those are the people in my group. And then we have some lead team members also. But we haven't set this church up to where I'm discipling everyone. Now, if you need to talk to me about something, yeah, you can set an appointment and all that, and I'm available. But the model we have is that we care for one another, that we want another one another. 42 times in the Bible, Christians are commanded to do something to one another, to love one another. We do that in the context of our connect groups. Now, there's so many times in a connect group that somebody will ask you to do something out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's, hey, let's go serve together. I really don't want to waste a Saturday serving. It's going to kind of change me from my pattern. It's going to knock me out of my pattern. Maybe somebody is sick and you go, like, oh my gosh, i got to make a casserole tonight and take it over. to. Now, hopefully you're not like that. But there are these things that happens. Maybe you own a truck and somebody's like, hey, you got a truck. Can you haul some junk for me? And you have these things that happen in this connect group. But when you're committed and you say, you know what? I'm going to make that casserole. I'm going to use my truck. I'm going to serve this person. It has a way of shaping us. When you're praying for someone consistently, it has a way of shaping us. It is a habit that's not just where you go. It's who you're with. It's a pattern in your life. I'm telling you, connect groups for us is a keystone habit, and we take it right from the ministry of Christ. The third habit that we have in this church is that we contribute. So we celebrate, connect, contribute. When we contribute, that's another way for saying give. And we give three things is what we identify in here. Our our talents, our time, and our treasure is what we would say. And we see this all over the ministry and teachings of Jesus. Jesus. First of all our time and our talents. Many of us would say that time is money that giving of our time is as hard as giving anything. Well, when you look at the life of Jesus, that was something that he did consistently. He was always teaching that we've got to be servants. In fact, one of the things he said in Mark chapter 10, he said, it is he said it shall not be among you whoever wishes to be great among you. He says it's okay to be want to be great. It's okay to, be want, to want to be a, a great Christ follower. But he says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When he talked about money over and over again, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also You should put your money towards the things that you want to guide your heart. You should have a habit of giving is what Jesus is saying. Over and over again, he talked about money. He talked about money more than any other topic except for the actual kingdom of God. It was his favorite subject was to talk about how you need to give money. Because when we look at what Jesus says about giving, he says... That there's this nature we have to want to hold everything closed in our hand. And we all have those things. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your stuff. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your Saturday. Maybe it's your your evenings. And you say, you know what? I can't join a group or I can't go serve this. I can't do this because because I I got this for me. And anytime we close our hand, it reminds me of the meatloaf song, right? I would do anything for, for Jesus, but I won't do that. No? No? Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Now, but it's true. It's true. We all have that meatloaf mentality of, you know what? I'll do anything for Jesus. I'll do anything, but I won't do that one thing. And that one thing, we close our hand. We say, you know what? I won't give that. I won't go there. I won't. And that thing is what Jesus is saying. Hey, we've got to have habits that open our hands. Anytime you close your hand, you're walking away from the will of God. Understand that. And so we want to have habits. And for us, giving of your time, your talent, and your treasures is a way that we change ourselves. It doesn't, it's not so that we can just pay the bills, although it does that. It's so we can be changed. You know, I love the fact that last week we had uh, 11, I think, people come to our starting point. In fact, many of them are here and probably going to join the church pretty soon. It's pretty exciting We had one of the families, though, that said, you know what, I was invited here, and one of the things I love about this church is my kids love this church. And I thought, wow, that's that's awesome, because what that means is that right now, in fact, in here, some of you that were here last week, you had their kids in your, your class. Some of you that were serving last week in the kids' area, you had them, and you thought, you know what? I'm building up these disciples, and you didn't realize that by showing up to serve in church and give of your time, that you are actually not just discipling these girls, you were actually allowing their parents to be discipled, their parents to grow closer to Christ, but the most importantly, you are actually opening your hands and saying, you know what, God, you can use me if I'll just quit guarding my time so much. You know that... Uh, Just to to throw it out there, you know that every week the one area in this church that we have the hardest time um, filling uh, a volunteer, finding volunteers, is our kids' area. And you know that the one place that consistently parents say the reason I came back is because my kids loved it. There's opportunity all over this church. And I want to encourage you. If you're not serving, we want you serving and giving in this church, not just because of what it will do for others, but because that's how we change. We change when we open our hands and we contribute our time, talents, and treasure. The last uh, of the four C's is we commit. We commit to daily disciplines. You look at the life of Jesus. Jesus prayed consistently. Jesus went and, uh, and fasted consistently. He taught on fasting. When he taught on fasting or praying, he said, when you fast or when you pray, that's, that's, that's when uh, or when you do it, saying that you're doing these things, right? And so when we look at this idea of becoming a person of impact, I want to be a person of impact, it's like some of us have this this mindset that I want to be a person of impact, but I don't actually want to read my Bible, I don't actually want to fast, I don't actually want to pray, I don't actually want to do anything on a daily basis. And that's like saying, hey, I want to be the strongest person I can be, but I don't actually want to lift a weight or exercise or eat, or I don't want to do the things every day that are going to make that happen. I don't want to develop these keystone habits. And so we encourage every single one of you, you need to develop some habits of reading the Bible. Of maybe memorizing, praying consistently, doing these things every single day, that will impact the rest of your day. It's a lot easier to not uh, say four-letter words at the person that cut you off if you've just prayed, Lord, on the way to way to work today. Don't let my my mind uh, wander. Let me focus on you. If you'll set your day, if you'll reframe, as we said, preframe last week. There's a great. Bunch of wisdom. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but there's a great deal of wisdom when it comes to setting daily disciplines. So in our church, we've looked and said, you know what? If we were to tell you everything that the Bible says will make you a more effective person, it would be hard. But if you just do these four things, if you'll celebrate every week, if you'll connect in a group every week, if you'll contribute your time, talent, and your treasure, if you'll start giving, and if you'll commit to some daily disciplines, we believe. Every single day, you'll become a person of of impact because you'll be increasing the qualities that God has called us to. Now, in this series, what I want to see us do is we've noticed something. I've noticed something about our church is that anytime we focus our church on a few goals, we seem to have a lot more momentum Because we can encourage each other. We can kind of do this together as a team. And so in this series, we're going to lay out four goals that we believe will be impact goals. In other words, we want to give you a plan that in the next three months or the next 100 days, by the end of May, basically, that if we can achieve these goals, that we believe you have actually put some habits in. Because the thing I love about a goal, to achieve a goal, you have to establish a habit. To achieve an exercise goal, you have to to figure out your routines. To to read your Bible every day, you have to figure out all of the the ways to go in that. How am I going to make that a habit? And so we're going to set four goals, and we're going to lay them out over the next four weeks. And in four weeks, we're going to challenge. We're going to come together, and we're going to say, we want to achieve these four goals. And some of them are individual goals you'll be able to set. But today, I want to invite you into the first goal that I want to challenge us as a church to do together. We're calling this an inward goal. We're going to challenge every one of us to read the Bible together over the next 30 days. Not the whole Bible, just the book of John, okay? It's very doable, okay? And what we're going to do is, if you go to connectionpoint.life on your phones, if you go to connectionpoint.life, you'll find the sermon notes for today, and you can find an invitation in those sermon notes, you can find an invitation to join, our, uh, to join our Bible plan. And if you can't find it, hey, before you leave, you can fill out a, a card in front of you. Just write on a card and leave it at the dot life table in the back or come ask me. And I want to invite all of you to, go, to get together on this plan to read the Bible together on what's called the Bible app. And you'll read through the John chapter 1 tomorrow, starting, it starts tomorrow. And you'll read through it four times, and each time it'll ask you a different question when you read through it. And then at the end, you'll be able to put a note or to say something about what you've read. And the exciting thing about this to me is I'll be able to see your notes, you'll be able to see my notes. If you highlight something, I'll be able to see it. And together, we'll be able to see what we're reading. It's also kind of dangerous because you'll be able to see if you didn't read. So at least remember to go in and click and pretend you read. But I'm just kidding, don't do that. Read. But I'm hoping... That in one month, maybe you've struggled reading your Bible. But by having somebody else that will say, hey, I just want to remind you to read. Or maybe you get a notification. Hey, you need to read today. And we can go through. And if you have questions that come up in your small group, we're actually going to go through these in our connect groups. And we're going to go through the book of John in the connect group so that you can ask your questions and you can ask other people, hey, what does this mean? I wasn't quite clear on this. But here's my hope. Over the next few weeks in this series, we'll begin to really focus on the habits that we have in this church and whether or not we're increasing the quality of of, of God in our own lives so that when people look at the church, specifically Connection Point Church, they'll see a place of impact to where the, the people at this church aren't just going through the motions. We're not just saying, hey, I believe that's enough. Instead, we are supplementing our faith so that we may be fruitful and effective, that we may be people of impact. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person that's here today or that's listening to this. Because Lord, we don't want to just sit back and say, hey, you've done it all for us. We don't need to do anything. Lord, we want to be people of impact we we want to accept your invitation to work through us and in the, the midst of that we want you to change our lives as well but even as we're broken even as we struggle lord we want you to use us to impact and influence the people around us lord we want the people around us that may have no hope maybe they have no way to be more effective and fruitful in their life and they lack that we want them to see us and at least see the direction we're headed and be drawn to you. So Lord, I pray that you will focus this church, focus our habits, so that we can grow in favor with God. Amen. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.